Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Wow, what a week it has been. We're going to uh, kind of look back a little bit at some of the things we've learned and heard this week, including we got a a bit of an update from uh, Administrator Scott Pruitt of the EPA this week about waters of the U.S., about uh, the proposed rule they're going to come out with. We're going to talk about all that with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation today. Speaking of Scott Pruitt, he is seemingly always in the news, and he was very much front and center in the news yesterday, appearing before Congress, and uh, he had some questions thrown at him concerning agriculture. He has a lot of other controversies swirling around him as well, of course. Let's talk about it with National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters, Jarrett Renshaw. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. What was your takeaway from uh, Pruitt's appearance before Congress yesterday? Uh, yeah, it was uh, certainly a lively one, and it was uh, a lot to digest. Uh, he seemed to at least some part answer some of the uh, uh, questions over the ethical questions. Uh, I don't know to the satisfaction of all the parties there, but um, just based on the comments that came after, I really think he needed to convince Republicans more than anybody else that he uh, he can answer the questions and 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 uh, kind of stay in his position. So I think that was the bar, and uh, just based on the reports following it, I, I don't see. Uh, yeah, I, I think. He Seems pretty comfortable now, but you know things could change, and, and 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 headlines can change pretty quickly. So, yeah, he's fighting for his job, no doubt. A lot of pressure on him now. As far as the RFS is concerned, I I talked with him earlier in the week. He spoke to farm broadcasters in Washington D.C. I asked him about how he was, uh, uh, how he determined these granting of these waivers of the RFS, and he was kind of cloaking himself in the law, saying he wasn't making policy that. He was just following the statute, following the law. Of course, a lot of people in the renewable fuels industry and uh, members of Congress don't agree with that. But uh, what was uh, your sense of uh, how he answered those questions yesterday? Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it on the head. I think he he certainly used the word statute a lot. Um, And I don't think he gave direct answers to to what what the statute says and kind of uh, how they evaluate uh, these applications, it, it's, it's pretty clear based on my reporting that there is some discretion here. Um, you know, we're using adjectives like hardship and, 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 and things like that. and Those things are hard to measure, right? So you have to use some metric or some, some way to evaluate. And I think that's what ultimately people want to know is what, 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 how are you evaluating this? We've only seen one denial, what, what, at least for the 2017s, how did that not fit into the statute? So I, he certainly didn't answer many of the questions that, that, that lawmakers had yesterday, and I think that journalists have in terms of trying to figure out uh, what criteria he is using uh, to evaluate these applications. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. Jarrett, uh, you've done a lot of reporting uh, digging into how many waivers have been uh, uh, approved, how many have even been requested. What's the latest on this? Uh, for so, it's, it, sometimes you have to. As a, you almost need to write everything down here and have a spreadsheet in front of you because uh, some of the years overlap. But for the 2017, I think the latest numbers are about 24 approvals and five applications, one denial. I mean, I'm sorry, five pending and one denial. Uh, I think that that amounts to about 30 altogether with. Um, which is significantly up from, from previous years. So you, you look at 24 approvals. Um, it was about prior to this wave, there was about 80 a year. Um, so, you, you know, almost three times the amount of approvals. Um, and, and we obviously have some more pending. So there's a clear uptick in, in terms of the number of approvals. And the one thing I think that, that, that the lawmakers and, and folks in the Midwest and farmers want to know is, what does that amount to in gallons? And that—that that, that is a question that I think the EPA at some point is going to have to to answer. Um, there's just a lot of people who want to know what the, the overall impact here in terms of gallons lost under the RFS. So, if indeed the way it's written, the way the RFS is written, gives this gray area that allows him to grant these waivers, 
do you see uh, enough uh, political will within Congress to close those loopholes or or make it more restrictive? You know, my sense is that there's just so many warring factions on this particular front that you know, getting any kind of finding any kind of common ground is probably pretty elusive. Um, my guess is it just becomes another bargaining chip to, to drag folks to the table, right? So if you're trying to get perhaps some of the ethanol groups to the table, you're using uh, the carrot of let's 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 you guys don't like this uh, wide use of the small refining exemption. Why don't we uh, find a way to tackle it? But we're only going to tackle that if you give us you know, X, Y, and Z. So my guess, like anything else, everything's up for negotiation, and, and, and perhaps you'll see some of the uh, refining folks or to use that carrot to try to draw some of the ethanol folks to the table. So uh, that's just a guess, well, but that, that's my sense of where things may be going. Well, speaking of the refining folks, uh, they kind of have tried to make their voice heard in Washington, haven't they, this week? They have. We have saw about, um, it, was, it was reported about 100 refinery workers, all from the U.S. Northeast, from New Jersey, Philadelphia, uh, Delaware, and uh, so they uh, they were there. Senator Ted Cruz gave a uh, press conference, and essentially, you know, I think it's two fronts. I think they're still trying to encourage uh, the president to do something unilaterally, which doesn't seem to be seems to kind of stalled at this point. And uh, I think they're also trying to encourage uh, lawmakers uh, to take some action and maybe a legislative path getting some reform but clearly uh, you know this issue's not dead for them i think they've lost some momentum clearly from the white house standpoint um and i think the the next thing we'll look to see is if if the the lawmakers or some, some legislative pathway opens up and there's some serious uh effort to get something done that way but that that still remains to be seen yeah the white house continues to give support to the rfs but uh what the industry is saying yeah, the sport's good, but if you allow your EPA administrator to keep granting these waivers, you're undermining the RFS. Sure. I mean, I, and that's, that's the one thing, you know, I am trying to, and I think uh, uh, other folks are trying to really detail the impact of what these waivers are, um, and, and that's somewhat of elusive right now, you know. So I, I think that's, that's something that, uh, you know, I am certainly efforting to do um, to find out why we should care, right? Um, and I, I think some way the answer is obvious, but there's, it's also trying to support that and show show evidence of, of, of how that has an impact in the market and, and, the, and the way uh, folks do their business is, is still something that I'm trying to get a better understanding of. All right. Well, keep up the good work, and uh, we continue to follow your reporting and uh, look forward to having you back on soon. Thanks, Jarrett. Hey, hey, no problem. Jarrett Renshaw, he's National Energy Markets Reporter for... Reuters. A little later, we're going to talk markets with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Uh, what the markets are focused on right now is planning starting to pick up uh, momentum. And also later, we're going to talk with the president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, get an update on the situation there in Oklahoma with the fires and the need that uh, follows those fires and how you can help. All that coming up. But next, an update on Waters of the U.S. Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, will join us next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. 
Call now. Around 3500 BC, someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. They're genius. And then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia herbicide is a US EPA restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. So while many in agriculture continue to uh, disagree with EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt over how he is interpreting the RFS and granting these waivers, many in agriculture are supporting his efforts and the administration's efforts to replace the old waters of the U.S. rule from the Obama administration and get a new one in place. We heard this week from Administrator Pruitt that the the new proposed rule will be out in the May-June time period, and then uh, that process will continue through the rest of this year. They hope to have it uh, done by the end of the year. Let's uh, talk about that with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, thanks for joining us. Uh, What do you think of that timeline that Administrator Pruitt set uh, uh, for the Waters of the U.S. uh, new rule? You know what? If nothing else, Administrator Pruitt is optimistic about uh, what it takes to kind of navigate some very hard uh, administrative rules. And, you know, I applaud that optimism, but we want him to do it right, and it may take a little longer than that. So do we have any idea what this new proposed rule that's coming out will look like, what will be in it? Uh, We don't at this point. Uh, We've got some good ideas as to what the agency will focus on. More than anything else, the two big issues that we had with the with the lack of clarity in the 2015 Obama rule was the definition of tributary. It reached far onto the landscape into things that were very remote and only carried rainfall during rainfall events, uh, or only carried water during rainfall events. So I suspect the focus on tributaries and how those tributaries Uh, are defined are going to be a real important piece of this. The other issue is adjacent wetlands. And what does the term adjacent mean? Uh, The the 2015 rule defined it in terms of of an arbitrary set of distances. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what this administration does, but I do think they're going to try to draw brighter lines than just very arbitrary distances. Yeah. Administrator Pruitt gave an example of being out in the field uh, with uh, someone from the Army Corps of Engineers and looking at the uh, wet spot or a stream or something, what you know, where water was running somewhere, and and the Army Corps of Engineer uh, person basically said, you know, under our definition, that's a you know that uh, the waters of the U.S. Uh, that's a wetland or whatever, and uh, 
uh, Administrator Pruitt basically said, well, it's not going to be any more, or that's not how we're going to look at it, something along those lines. So obviously they're going to take quite a different approach, it would seem. Well, I think they're going to give the public an opportunity to comment on different approaches. And more than anything else, uh, the last regulation, the 2015 regulation, wrote the term navigable out of the Clean Water Act. Uh, I think this administration is going to try to identify streams and tributaries that are truly water. And and from that standpoint, I think, uh, you know, at least we don't know what they have in their in their definition, but we hope that it is something that people can actually understand and embrace as being aquatic resources. So how will this process work? Once they release their proposed rule, then what happens? Well, Mike, uh, I want to back you up just a second. And I, they have yet to fully repeal the the 2015 Obama rule. Uh, and in, as a matter of fact, they have a, a supplemental notice over at the Office of Management and Budget right now that will bolster the effort to repeal that rule. Uh, we can only speculate what's in it, but I believe they're going to have two steps. Uh, one step to repeal the rule, and they're going to finalize that rule at some point, and they're probably going to take some additional comments on that if my speculation is correct. But they're also probably either simultaneously or just after they do this, they're going to propose another rule. And that rule, uh, I can tell you that based on the kind of information I'm picking up from states, uh, a wide range of states, uh, states that support a very broad federal jurisdiction and, and states that, that support a very bright, clear line between state conversation going on with those states right now. And, and I suspect this administration is going to hang its hat on a lot of work with stakeholders in these states in particular. Now, Administrator Pruitt was very emphatic this week talking with farm broadcasters and very emphasized, uh, really emphasized that that old rule will not be coming back. Uh, wanted to make that very clear. So, I mean, he made it sound like there's no way, but uh, you're pointing out it's not gone yet. It's not gone yet, and, and when uh, this administration finalizes that rule, you can rest assured that that there's going to be challenges to that rule. That's just the way the administrative process works. Uh, and we're going to expect this administration, the Trump administration, the Department of Justice, to defend the rules that this administration puts into place. So we do expect it to go away, um, and we expect it to go away right. Uh, it's going to take time. That's one of the things I want to signal to our listeners here. Uh, Administrative Pruitt just can't snap his fingers. Uh, doing administrative law is hard, and, it, and we want him to do it right because we want both the repeal and the replacement to be long-term legacies of this administration. We're talking with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation, getting an update, uh, a look at the waters of the U.S. Uh, proposed new rule that should be coming out soon from the administration and the steps that will need to be taken to get it into effect and the truly... Uh, completely get rid of the old rule. Don, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of controversy swirling around Administrator Pruitt, questions about how long he may keep his job, if he can keep his job. If there's a change there, does that set all this back, or can it move forward regardless of who is at the top at EPA? Well, Mike, I think the president has set the tone on this particular regulation. Uh, it's something that he addressed in his campaign back before he was elected president. It is one of the very signature issues he is he has finalized an executive order on. Um, they now have a number two man in place uh, in, in the in the person of uh, Mr. Andrew Wheeler. I believe that this administration is going to carry through with its commitments to deal with this waters of the U.S. rule, and you know, and we're hopeful that um, that you know. Administrator Pruitt and his team kind of, you know, get back on the rails and get this thing done in the right way. Now, you mentioned whatever they come out with a new rule, there are going to be challenges to it. Are, are there people out there still supporting the old rule? Uh, very much so. Uh, there are a number of environmental organizations that even challenge that rule from the standpoint that it didn't go far enough. Uh, they were some, you know, in I don't know where they were, but they believed that there were some waters that were excluded uh, in the in the in the list of exclusions or exceptions that 
that the environmentalists believe that should have been regulated by the federal government. Uh, so you can rest assured that, that there are some out there that want every drop of water, regardless of whether it's in a stream or not, regulated. And, and we think that exceeds, we think that exceeds what Congress authorized in the Clean Water Act. And we also, when you, when you stretch definitions that far, you really create such, uh, such vague rules that it is very hard for the public to, to contend with. So we believe once you get out into those realms, it's unconstitutional. But, but there are people that support that. Well, then the other part of this, of course, is the legal aspect, going to court. Is there anything pending in the judicial system on this that we need to be watching? Um, yes. Right now there are a lot of people, um, several things. Uh, the North Dakota court, the first court to review the, the Obama 2015 rule that put the first uh, preliminary injunction on, they are moving forward with litigation with their litigation on the Obama rule. So that that piece of litigation is going forward. Uh, we also have some litigation by some of the environmental organizations over the rule that extended the applicability date of the Obama rule for 24 months. And those, those two pieces of litigation, one in South Carolina, one in, North, uh, one in New York, they're ongoing as well. So it really is one of those those things where you're, we're still litigating the Obama rule, and now the environmentalists are litigating the applicability date rule to try to bring or force the 2015 rule to go into effect before the before they either replace this rule or we litigate to the end in that North Dakota case. No, we're keeping the lawyers busy, that's for sure. But it it sure shows how complicated this is. We're still dealing uh, with the Obama rule, waiting to see what the new Trump rule would be. Uh, Waters of the U.S. continues to be complicated. Uh, Real quick, are we making progress, though, Don? We are making progress, Mike. And I just want to assure your listeners that, you know, our, our message to this administration is to do it right, uh, dot every I, cross every T, uh, everyone that in, in, in agriculture supports the administration moving forward to repeal this rule in one step and to replace it in, in a second step. Uh, and we want to make sure that they do it right, and we're going to be behind them 100%. All right. Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Mike. All right. We're going to talk markets next with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we saw minus signs in soybeans in the overnight trade, but positive signs as the Friday session wears on. July soybeans eked out a modest gain on Thursday, but intraday gains were stymied by the 10-day moving average resistance level. The near-term July bean trend in a weak correction phase for now, July beans have carved out support and a minor daily low at 1027 and three quarters, the low from April 24th, the 10-day moving average seen at 1043. In soybeans, July contract an hour into the trading day, nine cents higher at 1048 and three quarters, November up seven and a half at 1040 and three quarters. 
In corn, July up two and a quarter at 397 and a half. The market consolidating on an inside day on the charts yesterday. Resistance lies overhead at 398 and a quarter. As long as support at the 20-day moving average holds firm, the bulls said to have the near-term edge. 20-day moving average seen at 393 and a half. In Minneapolis spring wheat, we are backtracking on a Friday, two to five cents lower. But weather remains a bullish factor for winter wheat, two to three higher in Kansas City. Chicago wheat, four to five cents higher. For livestock at the Merck, hog futures edging lower in Midwestern cash markets. Meat packers dialing down this week's pace of slaughter, according to the Wire Talk. June lean hogs up seven cents at 74.07. In live cattle, April contract up 95 cents, 47. Feeder cattle, August contract down 17 cents at 146.32. The Dow down 41, crude down 30 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. Of course, also very much in the news, a big uh, court decision in North Carolina. A federal jury yesterday handing a verdict worth more than $50 million to 10 North Carolina plaintiffs who live near a hog farm contracted by Smithfield. They charged that the uh, operation... Uh, harm their quality of life, exposing them to uh, uh, the strong manure smells and swarms of flies and uh, a steady stream of, of trucks uh, with dead animals. Um, each of the plaintiffs awarded $75,000 in damages, $5 million in punitive damages. And Smithfield has said they will appeal the decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit took the jury two days to reach its decision after hearing three weeks of testimony. And that trial was the first of several more that will be heard. So um, we'll be uh, watching that and hearing more about that. Uh, that could have uh, ramifications in North Carolina uh, and the hog, uh, in the, uh, the pork industry there, which is a big part of that state's economy. So we will watch uh, that story closely. But uh, this initial ruling by a federal jury went in favor of uh, the residents of North Carolina in their suit against uh, Smithfield. All right, let's uh, turn now to the markets. Joining us now is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. Um, the weather finally improving, planting, uh, picking up speed each and every day. So more of those uh, concerns about getting the crop planted are, are easing each and every day. So what are the markets focused on right now? Well, they're kind of showing their true colors of what they really want. The funds want to own the commodities at large. Crude oil is a little bit lower this morning, but they like owning commodities at large. We've got a growing economy, good GDP numbers this morning. It's a little bit of a risk-on environment outside of crude oil, which is already a near three-year highs. So they're looking for excuses to buy. On soybeans, they're looking at the fact that we got a nice bounce-off chart support in that November contract. We're getting some good demand for soy meal in here with Argentina's problems. And uh, we've got our crushers running at capacity consuming soybeans. The expectation of the trade that we're going to see soybean shipments increase dramatically as we get later into this year. So they're looking for an excuse to own that. 
We had the International Grain Council come out yesterday showing uh, that their 2018-19 balance sheet shows 46.2 million metric tons more demand than production in the marketing year to come. That's pretty close to my numbers where I've been at, so kind of confirming the long-term favorable fundamentals there. And When are we getting support from the fact that uh, uh, we've got a wheat tour on starting on Monday in Kansas and surrounding areas that's expected to find a lot of freeze damage and drought damage and funds don't want to be on the wrong side, although Minneapolis taking a little bit of heat from a bearish Stats Canada report this morning. So if you scratch around, dig around, look uh, you know, long enough, you'll find some things in there, even though the prices aren't where we'd like to see them right now, there are indications that, uh, hey, maybe things are going to get better. Right? We're looking for that light at the end of the tunnel here. There really are. That's probably a good way of saying it. The, the funds are taking a more favorable attitude toward, toward the commodity sector and toward the grain specifically. We put on our lows in 2016. The 2017 lows were above the 2016 lows, and that's kind of the way we're marching higher. Nothing's really overly bullish here. We're not running out of anything to speak of at this point, short of a weather pro- uh, an additional weather problem beyond what we had in Argentina. Um, but the funds see that uh, with the global economy growing and we're starting to ratchet down these big surplus supplies, they just kind of want to buy the brakes and continue to build in here some hedge against inflation. What's your take on Argentina buying soybeans from us? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, when you look at who's buying it, the crusher it's buying it, uh, they'd certainly like to send a message to their farmers there in Argentina. Don't get overly bullish as well as in Brazil. Sell us your soybeans because we can go elsewhere. We've seen southeastern feed, U.S. feed um, users buy sometimes from Europe or buy from Brazil in order to send that message as well. Second of all, it brings in some better quality soybeans in order to blend with some of these soybeans that have been in the bag for a year or two down in Argentina. Uh, So they're helping meet that demand uh, with the short crop they have there, helping to blend up the quality of it and sending a message to producers, don't get too bold up, we need your soybeans. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. So, okay, so there are some positives here, but what happens if we get this crop planted and the weather's good and all of a sudden everyone's starting to talk about, wow, we might have a a bumper crop after all here. Does that just kind of squash everything again uh, as far as any kind of rally? I think there's some real risk to this. Markets don't go straight up and they don't go straight down, and we're seeing some strength now on some of these concerns. We get into the growing season, and right now the forecasters we work with are seeing uh, pretty strong odds of a favorable growing season, which should result in some good crop ratings throughout the season and forecasts for big yields. And, and we're expecting soybean acreage to increase based on our surveys that we've done as well. So it becomes a little bit harder to keep that bullish mantra going through the summer and we could see prices pull back during the summer growing season into the fall and then try to pick up the story once again as we get past the harvest. Which uh, makes marketing even more challenging, doesn't it? It really does, and that's why it's important to look at it from a business standpoint. When does the market give you opportunities to, to build some equity in your farm, protect the equity that you've built over the last decade, uh, and take advantage of it from a business standpoint. Uh, and it seems like each year we get this strength in the market that takes prices above levels where we can lock in some equity growth for our farm. And uh, the, the business farmers, the wise farmers, have been taking advantage of that and just focused on that rather than i got to get the highest price. What's your uh, feelings on how we're doing, you know, on on exports, on selling, because, I mean, most of the trade news seems to be, if not negative, at least nervous, you know, just the unknown of what's going to happen with a lot of these trade uh, situations, whether it's NAFTA or the China situation. Through all that negativity, how are sales going? Excellent question, and I think that's part of the reason we're a little bit more upbeat this morning. They know we have a trade delegation in China uh, working on reaching a deal with China and maybe easing some of those concerns. Uh, but when you look at where we're at right now, soybean sales 
China has shifted its business to South America, just like it does every year. We typically get a few cargoes still from the United States that would go to, to China. That's really not happening too much at this point because they're afraid of having a cargo on the water on the way over there and then having a tariff slapped on them. Um, but overall, that's because of their focus more on Brazil. They're sending some other customers our way. We've had a lot of sales of soybeans, but we haven't had shipments, and our shipments still trail the seasonal pace we need to be on to hit USDA's target by 160 million bushels. I think we'll start seeing that gap start to decline, narrow up as we get into the summer, and Brazil's supplies start to run a little bit tighter. Argentina certainly is tight. Uh, Paraguay and Canada run out of supplies as well, and I think then we're, our shipment pace will start to pick up on corn. We are exceeding the pace that we need to be at to hit USDA's target. We're closing that gap, uh, and I think we'll, we have a good chance now of even exceeding the target that USDA has for exports by the end of the marketing year. And then it comes down to what's the Safrina crop going to do. We're seeing some dryness now in central and southern areas, probably taking a little bit of the bloom off the rose there on the good crop that they've got going to pull that down a little bit more. We could pull another four, five, six million metric tons off of USDA's target for production there and help boost our exports into the last half of this year. Wheat is where we're going to continue to struggle, particularly with the dollar being strong. We're going to be kind of the market of last last resort. Yeah, for wheat, I mean, we have production problems and we have uh, market problems. So it just doesn't, not a lot of positive news there. No, I think it's next week's tour. We'll probably have enough headlines maybe to provide some support, some, some fodder for the bulls, if you will. Um, but once we get past the tour, then the focus is going to be, well, we still have to sell it. And we can't sell it at elevated prices relative to the rest of the world. And so it becomes a little bit tougher to come up with a bullish fodder to support the wheat market after the tour unless something else develops we get a really hot wave into the plains to to blister the wheat or or some problem develops elsewhere we are watching some dryness now starting to show up in russia in their spring wheat belt Uh, some concerns there but nothing really over dominant at this time i was going to ask you what about some of the other uh, producers around the world are they running into any problems not really. I think if there's an opportunity for a problem, it still could be in that Black Sea region. Uh, it's it's too soon to sound an alarm. We're just kind of watching some drier trends there. We got a really late start to planting the spring crop, very similar to the U.S. spring wheat belt. I think we will lose some spring wheat acres here uh, and probably lose some in the Black Sea region as well. And then you kind of look at some of the dryness and how long that lingers. It's not a big problem now, but something that we're watching that could turn into. And we do have some USDA numbers coming up soon to, to watch as well. Certainly, and uh, as, as we go forward, uh, I mentioned earlier, International Grain Council releasing their numbers, which were close to ours, showing a, a drawdown in global corn stocks uh, in the 2018-19 marketing year. Will USDA go along that same trend? Uh, and on soybeans, how does USDA see soybeans. They've already given the acreage number, which is smaller than what we think it should be, but that's the number they're going to be going with, their March 29 number. Uh, what kind of trend yields will they use? Um, and uh, and overall, I think it could reinforce the fact that we've got some good soybean production mm-hmm. coming on. That may be trouble for the bull. We'll be watching uh, all that uh, coming soon and uh, see how the markets react and stay in touch with you, Arlen. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Coming up next, we'll talk with the president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Update on the fire situation in his state. That's next on Adams on Agriculture. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom. What about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Around 3500 BC, someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF. We create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, we want to keep you updated on the situation in Oklahoma with the fires. Joining us now is the president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, Weston Givens. Weston, thank you for joining us. You bet, Mike. Glad to visit with you. 
Okay, what's the what's the latest? What can you tell us concerning the fires? Well, I can tell you that the fires are out, <laughs> and we're glad That's good. that. We, yeah. we finally got some much-needed rain down here. It's been a little bit bearable, but uh, we did get some moisture, and uh, so it did finally knock all the fires out. So I can tell you that much. So the fires are out, but now the assessment of damage and the, the need will be there for help for quite some time. You bet. Uh, you know, we I don't know how many of your folks have, have been able to look at some of the, I'm sure they've watched the drought monitor maps up in that, your region, but uh, this area down here, we've been in an exceptional drought situation for a few, uh, for a few months now. Uh, some of these regions down here went from the first October to just here in the last 10 days or so with no measurable rainfall. So it's going to it's going to take some really good rains to build up the soil moisture profile in these areas and while we've got a little bit of moisture to get some grass started uh it's going to take some consistent moisture to get some real grass growth back in these areas um a lot of these guys have been accepting hay donations and trying to buy hay from uh from a long ways out the state the state here is really the whole state hey uh hey uh uh, stocks have really been depleted this winter, so it's been a real struggle coming up with enough hay. And I, I know there's been some hay come from as far as uh, as your neck of the woods up there to, to try to help out. So uh, that's kind of the situation. Uh, so you're still you're grazing. still needing hay, though, right? Yes, they they are still needing hay. Uh, I would tell folks that are wanting to donate to call those hotline numbers that we have through Oklahoma State Extension to give those a shout and see where to go with them. I know there is a, there are some of those sites that do have a little bit of hay sitting on site uh, for those producers to come in and get, and so and there's other sites that do not. So call that hotline and, uh, and see where to go with it. Um, you know, if we can go to getting some rain here in the near future, some consistent rainfall, uh, these guys will go to growing the grass. Uh, the other weather situation that we've had that's really slowed things down is we've had the coldest April on on record, and it's just really, really slowed everything down as far as spring coming. So uh, uh, some warm days and some moisture things will really get kicked off, I think. That hay number is 405-590-0106, 405-590-0106. Obviously going to be many uh, needs here. Homes have been damaged, uh, loss of cattle, equipment, fencing. So this is going to be, uh, as we've seen after other fires in other places, uh, uh, that uh, the need goes on for quite some time. Now, unfortunately, your state's not, uh, this isn't the first time you've dealt with this, so you've had this experience before, but this one was especially bad, wasn't it? It was. Uh, We have gone through this, you know, Oklahoma Cattlemen's Foundation was established uh, almost 30 years ago probably now, Uh, but we had never really done a whole lot of disaster stuff, and these needs started rising up here recently with the wildfire event, and this will be the third year in a row now that the Cattlemen's Foundation has worked to raise money uh, to distribute directly to producers to help uh, offset some of their costs and relieve a little bit of their agony um so we're doing that again this year last year we worked with the fires that were more up on the kansas line that spilled over into kansas and then also over here on the texas line west of us which we had another fire over there again this year too on the same at the same time as this ray fire uh so we're doing we're we're working on that again uh that you can go to okcattleman.com or org and uh, pull up our website and there's a way to donate there you can click through the process and donate cash there or you can send a check directly to us and that address is on that website and we'll be distributing those funds this summer uh, we're taking uh, taking donations uh, right now and we'll be taking them for quite some time and then we'll have a cutoff period and, and meet distribute those funds directly to the rancher so Anyway, that's one thing that the OCA is working on, and we've been very, very, we felt very blessed that we were able to work through 
through that those situations with our producers. Uh, we're hosting meetings and cooking hamburgers for them at some of these meetings and trying to provide support uh, through these situations and helping them uh, helping them work through these processes. So we're really glad to be able to help in that way. Right, okcattleman.org uh, to go to uh, make a donation. All right, real quick, you've also asked uh, the president and vice president to come out and take a look at the situation in your state. Yeah, we have. You know, uh, this this current administration, uh, when he uh, when he was running for office, one of the things he ran on is he made it clear that that uh, the president is a that is a position that's working for the people. And uh, so we felt like uh, that we had ever ever right and obligation to reach out in a situation like this. So Michael, our Michael Kelsey, our exec, got in contact with some of the folks up at uh, NCBA, and uh, they drafted a letter sent to the president. Uh, we understand that it is on his desk, and, and that is up for consideration. Uh, we we obviously know that he's. He's busy and got a lot of things going on, but we would certainly like him to, to consider coming out here and, and visiting with these producers and, and seeing some of the things that uh, the cattlemen have to face and uh, and see this fire situation and uh, see what uh, what needs to be done to uh, be able to provide some relief in these types of situations. You know, I, I know up in your country, you guys deal a lot with blizzard situations, which can cause catastrophic losses also. So we just feel like it'd be good for the administration to be able to visit with some ranchers that have to deal with these types of situations. All right, Weston, thanks for the update. Weston Givens, president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Thanks for being with us, Weston. Thank you for having me. All right. Again, that hay number is 405-590-0106. And to find out about giving a donation of uh, a monetary donation, go to okcattleman.org. Well, thanks for being with us today and for the week. Have a great weekend. Hope you'll be with us again on Monday for Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.